This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7, we're talking travel. I'm Jane Klein, Sally Lucas with us again, and thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King, we'll be taking a look at the world of travel today. Now, uh, travel destination, where to go, Sally Lucas? Where to go? Well, I thought Destination Australia sounds good at the moment. What do you think, Jane? Excellent. And we just tend to forget what a beautiful country we have. And if those who haven't travelled Australia thoroughly yet, and I must admit I'm one of them, I've done pockets, but I haven't done it all, we're a huge continent, there is so much out there to see and do. And with the imminent release of the film Australia with Baz Luhrmann and his wonderful ads, which are very evocative and emotive, I think they're really different, let's hope they work for Australia. Um, but just that movie, just to talk about that movie even briefly, I mean, where it was filmed, of course, was Bowen, and the reason they did that, it was it's supposed to be set in Darwin, of course, most of it, but it still looked more like Darwin did back in that pre-bombing of Darwin era. It had that same warfare area and so on, which was why they used Bowen, and there was a lot of similarities, but of course it was filmed in Darwin as well. And I think to go to Darwin, if we could just talk about Darwin for a moment, it has a lot to offer. We know since the cyclone it's virtually been rebuilt, so it's a totally new city in, in, in effect. And it has so much on offer. I mean, whether you want to go and do a trip through the Wedding Cake, which is Parliament House, or you want to go out, you know, and look at the East Point Military Museum, now that is an eye-opener because getting back to the war, it was hidden because the Prime Minister then, John Curtin, downplayed the attack on Darwin because it was our inadequate defence and also we weren't listening to warnings and the Japanese were very clever they did it when it was smoko time morning tea time and a lot was hidden and was not supposed to be released until 1995 because they didn't want to appear to have just not handled it at all well and we lost a lot of ships in and a lot of people 30 aircraft were just or 34 I think aircraft were destroyed um, 10 ships heaps of loss of life and, and about 100 of the existing 400 main buildings were destroyed so this is very interesting when you go to Darwin to learn about this history because even at school we were not taught about it we it was kept a closed subject and we were really quite viciously attacked and on a number of occasions too I believe yes and, I mean, we shouldn't forget that. And, of course, you've got all these airstrips as you go out down the Sturt Highway out of Darwin that were they're still named. They've got different airfields with different names that were used or could be used for emergencies. So they were catering so that they could land planes and not have to use the airport if all this happened. So it's a very interesting part of our history, Darwin, and it's a very modern city now. So you've got the antithesis of the old and the new, but you've got beautiful botanical gardens there, and, I mean, you've got those two distinct seasons of wet and dry, as we know, and to go to the top end, as we've said before, after the wet is mind-blowing because that's when your waterfalls are stupendous. They're just you know, billowing over with water. And you don't see that in the dry. And the water holes, you know, aren't available to swim in as they are in the wet. So the tail end of the wet, should I say. You're not going to go down the middle of the wet, but obviously the tail end, and they clear crocs out. And then you're seeing these beautiful, full water holes with wonderful waterfalls. And even just to go across then into Western Australia, still talking top end, where you've got Kununurra and the Ord River Scheme, and that whole little township was was built while they were building the Ord River Scheme. But, of course, then it was discovered what a wonderful gateway it was to of course the bungles and across to the Kimberley and now we've got things like Bullo River Station which is the size of Sydney 
and the wildlife, the rock art on Bulla River, you know, the Sarah Henderson books. Again, I evoke many memories myself and I will get there one day. I didn't get there last time because it was still too early and the roads were cut. You know, this is keep this in mind, people, when you do go to the centre. I'm saying go after the wet, but don't go too early because you will find in the top end, particularly around Western Australia and between the Territory and Western Australia, Gibb River Road and so on, the roads will still be cut because the water rises 20 metres. I mean, it's amazing amount of water that they get at that time of the year. But yes, go after the wet. And you've got El Cuestro, of course, which you've been to, James. Yes, and again, place. you've got those wonderful springs, hot springs there. Of course, you've got the fishing, these wonderful gorges. I mean, the scenery in that top part of Australia is just breathtaking, isn't it? It is. It really just blows your mind away. And the sunsets you get, you know, the colour. It's just stunning. You just sit there in awe and thinking, wow, this is my country, you know, and the wildlife and the beauty. So, you know, just don't forget we've got this wonderful place to visit out here. We don't have to always go overseas. And at the moment, with the dollar the way it is, of course, you're not going to have to worry about that if you stay in Australia. Very true. Your dollar will go as far as it always has. (laughs) So just keep that in mind and think Australia for your destination holiday. Travel is the subject on 2NURFM 103.7. Sally Lucas, where are we off to now? Well, we're off to, is it the correct saying, across the ditch? Across the ditch. That's where we're going. If anyone doesn't know where that is, it's the land of the long white cloud, and that is New Zealand. Now, New Zealanders are a really crazy lot, I reckon, because they've done a brilliant job of turning their country into an open-air gym, and they do anything that we've ever hardly thought of they will do or invent. They're bizarre. I mean, I don't know what it is that they have to have this huge adrenaline rush. But anyway, just (laughs) going on from that, after the ski season ends in October there, which is what we're up to now, and they call it now their next season, they all go tramping. So anyone who's got sort of limbs in reasonable working order um, can enjoy some of the world's most spectacular scenery, of course, which New Zealand offers. As you know, Jane, you've done so many of those walks. Yes. Um, And I don't know, how many have you done? Oh, uh, yes, so many, I think. Think is a good way of describing. Are we uh, like seven, eight? Oh, lots more. More, yeah, yeah. Right, heaps. Heaps. That's amazing, isn't it? To think you can do that. Now there are nine routes that are designed great walks by the Department of Conservation, and the tracks and huts on these are kept in better condition than those on other routes. But in peak periods, you might um, there's a booking system which allows hikers to reserve accommodation as well, and it's an affordable and um, comfortable alternative to carrying a tent, obviously, or paying serious money for a luxury lodge. Which, if you want to do that, of course you can do as well. You can do a combination. And so I just sort of mentioned there's some of these. Um, routes that they're talking about. One is the Tongariro Northern Circuit, uh, 41 kilometres, and they say three to four days, you know, to do it. And there's three, um, D- I'll just call them DOCs, I don't have to say that all the time, but it's Department of Conservation, three DOC huts. So you're doing that wonderful area of that beautiful Mount Tongariro and that volcanic area, Mount Narahoe and so on, which is quite a spectacular part of the North Island of New Zealand. Um, and the next one that I thought I needed a little bit of, but it was just so beautiful is the Queen Charlotte track, which is in the South Island, of course, your nearest town, I guess, is Picton to that. And Picton itself, I mean, that whole area, Marlborough area, is just so stunningly beautiful. Even the ferry crossing, it's one of the most beautiful ferry crossings you'll ever do in the world from Wellington to Picton, isn't it? 
Yes, winding through all the waterways oh, and yeah, past the islands. and even just staying within that sound is beautiful. Now that is a, um, it's a wonderful walk. It's 71 k's. They say three to five days to do that and there's six DOC campsites and a number of lodges on that as well. So that's another one you can do and that's quite, quite beautiful. It's probably, it can be walked all year round but it's most popular probably in summer. Then you've got the Rootburn track. Um, which I guess your closest town would be Queenstown to that. Um, and that's in the Mount Aspiring National Park in the central part of the South Island. And that's a 32-kilometre trek, two to three days. And again, there's four DOC huts along that track as well. Um, the Kepler track, uh, which is in Fiordland in the south of the South Island, your nearest town would be Tiana. Um, 60 kilometres, three to four days again, and three DOC hats, huts, hats, not hats, but huts. <laughs> um, so that's wonderful as well because that whole Tiano and Milford area and route bit, I mean, they're all just stunning, stunningly beautiful areas. You've got the Abel Tasman Coast Track, which is um, on the northern coast of the South Island, and your nearest town would be Nelson. And it's 52 kilometres, three days, four DOC huts, so that would be excellent. And you can also, you know, you can range there from campsites to upmarket lodges along that track. And there's, you could also combine a day of sea kayaking with a couple of days of walking or whatever, so that's great. Um, again, it's a year-round walk, um, fairly crowded in January, so the best time is probably between February, March, April, maybe into early May. Of course, the Milford track, which I guess... Everyone in Australia, I think, just about has heard of the Milford Track. Um, and, of course, that's in Fiordland as well in the South Island. And, again, Tiana is your closest town. It's 53 k's, four days, and no camping permitted on that one, just to remember that. Um, there's three um, DOC huts for independent walkers and separate huts for guided groups. So you can just always check with these two because a lot of these areas you can do guided tours as well as you know, being independent depending which way you want to do it. So, yeah, they're just some wonderful things you can do in New Zealand. You don't have to do all the extreme things like bungee jumping or what was the other thing? Was it the north or the south island where they threw themselves against a wall with Velcro on there? I thought... Only in New Zealand. Where do they think of these things? Amazing stuff. <laughs> Amazing stuff, but a beautiful country and very close to home. And again, it's not going to hurt your hip pocket too much. Thank mm-hmm. you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news here on 2NURFM 103.7.